Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Airports around the world are a mess. Huge lineups, flight delays, cancellations, and lost luggage. But in Canada, things are especially bad. Airports and airlines here have the highest percentage of delays compared to anywhere else in the world. At Canada's largest airport, Pearson International in Toronto, more than half of flights leaving the airport are delayed. That's top of the list. And Montreal and Vancouver aren't far behind. Canada's two biggest airlines, Air Canada and WestJet, recently had the poorest on-time performance of the 10 big North American carriers. We are down to about 58 days before the end of the summer peak. So the window for any solutions is rapidly closing. Duncan Dee is a former chief operating officer for Air Canada. He also worked on a panel that reviewed the Air Transportation Act in 2016, looking closely at what could be improved at Canada's airports. He's on the show to tell us what he thinks can be done right now to help fix the airport chaos this summer. This is The Decibel. Duncan, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thanks for having me. I just want to start by asking, would you be flying right now if you didn't absolutely have to? You know, I ask myself that question because I've got two kids in Massachusetts, uh, and obviously I like to see them as often as I can. And in fact, the last time I went down, I drove. Hmm. So uh, the drive from New Brunswick to Massachusetts was um, a little over eight hours. And uh, the decision was taken that because it was for a special event, um, my son had a special event going, I needed to be there and I just didn't want to risk anything going wrong. And so I decided to hop in the car and drive down. Hmm. So you yourself made the conscious decision not to fly there. In Canada, we're looking at the worst delays really in the world. Uh, this is according to the plane tracking website, FlightAware. More than half of all the flights leaving Toronto Pearson International Airport are delayed. 55% are delayed. Uh, highest percentage anywhere in the world. Montreal International Airport is not far behind that. And Air Canada is at the top of the list of carriers with the most flights delayed. Uh, as of this past weekend, 70% of Air Canada flights are delayed. Uh, other airlines are not far behind either. So why is Canada in particular doing so poorly here? That's a great question. Like, why is Canada doing so poorly when we don't have the world's largest airline or the world's largest airports in terms of uh, number of travelers? Uh, And the answer, I think, is in the fact that we've had delays for over 90 days now at our two largest airports, our three largest airports, in fact, What we're now seeing is the cumulative effect of three months of delays. So the first delays that I personally saw were on the 2nd of April, a Saturday in April, which was unremarkable in terms of whether it was a holiday long weekend or a special weekend for travel. It was your average April Saturday where there shouldn't have been lines anywhere in Canada. And there was a three hour security line at Pearson Airport. So why did we initially see those delays happening in April? Like what was happening at that point in time that caused these massive delays at, a, at a, as you said, like usually a time of year that's not that busy? So travel in Canada is very seasonal. 
it's quite low after the March break and it builds into the summer peak, which starts at the end of June. And so what ended up happening there were delays at security where the Minister of Transport himself said that at first he blamed travelers. He said it was out of practice travelers. That was the reason for that, uh, those delays. And then um, he finally acknowledged after a few weeks that, in fact, he was seeing some significant pressure in terms of staffing. He admitted that the Air Transport Security Authority, CATSA, um, had 90% of its pre-pandemic staff in place, but that they were only seeing less than 70% of the traffic. And we were seeing those delays at Vancouver, Toronto and Montreal quite consistently, and we have seen them now for over three months. Yeah, back in May, we talked to our transportation reporter, Eric Atkins, on on the Decibel, uh, because that's, again, when we started to hear about people being stuck for hours and hours on the tarmac, long lineups inside the airport at customs, at check-in. Why haven't things gotten better since then? Well, I really don't think that the government has done anything different since then, and that's really why we're seeing that. So we will get into what the government can do to help the situation, too. But, I mean, a lot of this does fall to the airlines. Recently, Air Canada did announce that it's canceling 9,500 flights in July and August. That's a lot of frustration for travelers, for people trying to get places. Mm -hmm. What can Canadian airlines specifically be doing to make the situation better? I I think that is an excellent point. This all does fall on the airlines. At the end of the day, these are airline customers, people who have paid the airlines to get to where they want to go. So airlines obviously have huge amounts of responsibility in taking care of these travelers, especially the ones who have been disrupted. So what can airlines do? I think airlines have already done quite a bit of the heavy lifting. One of the things that started this whole thing was the fact that Air Canada kept 97% of its pre-pandemic workforce to operate about 80% of the number of flights that they had planned to operate, which is quite a buffer in terms of the amount of staff available in anticipation of any potential disruptions. What they obviously didn't anticipate is 90 days of delays persisting daily and cumulatively impacting their operations. So are you saying that airlines in Canada right now are doing everything they possibly can then to make sure people are getting where they need to be? They're certainly doing everything that could be expected of them at this point. They've canceled, like you mentioned, 9,500 uh, flights for July and August, which is frankly the last thing an airline would want to do during the summer peak. So they've done their part. They've reduced their schedules, frankly, to a significant amount of disruption for their customers because they're now going to have to scramble to get their customers ultimately where they need to go or offer them refunds. And at the same time, air transportation in Canada is a team sport. It's not simply the role of one body or one group to get travelers to where they need to go. There are other members of the team beyond airlines. You've got the airport authorities, obviously, but you've also got government agencies like security and customs, all of whom play a very critical role in ensuring that there are no bottlenecks, ensuring a smooth flow of of traffic and ensuring that uh, all of this is done safely. I was actually flying this this past weekend. Uh, my flights were all on time, though. I was flying between two smaller cities, and I think that was why. But I remember being in the airport and hearing all these announcements for delayed flights, particularly between Toronto and Montreal, gate changes. You could see that uh, flight departure board with all those delay stamps on those for the anything going through the big airports. So let's talk about what can actually be done here then. In your opinion, Duncan, what can we do to help the situation at Canadian airports right now? 
So I think that the situation right now in Canada um, is an urgent one. We are down to about 58 days before the end of the summer peak. So the window for any solutions is rapidly closing. We're about uh, one-fifth of the way uh, done in terms of the summer peak when people want to travel. So fixing things for after Labor Day doesn't really help anybody because what you've got are uh, travelers trying to get back to wherever they need to work or go to school by Labor Day. The immediate thing that the government can do to end the bottlenecks is to drop the pandemic checks that they are doing at arrivals, uh, international arrivals. That's something that um, several countries in Europe, the United Kingdom, the United States have done. Basically, um, what the government is doing now um, on international arrivals, uh, causing for a quadrupling of the um, inspection time is causing all sorts of trouble. Another thing that the government can do immediately, very, very quickly, is Canada is one of the few countries in the world that still inspects each and every one of our crews before they um, enter the boarding gate area. Uh, they're inspected just like you and I are when we go uh, to board a flight. And so that's something that uh, can be easily done. Another thing which uh, can be done is uh, a trusted traveler program, expedited screening um, at the security checkpoints for people that the government already has data for. Those are just three things that if the government decided to do immediately, we would, and they can be done immediately, we would see some rapid changes in uh, the delays and uh, cancellations that uh, Canadians have been experiencing now for over three months. Okay, so let's break these three points down that you mentioned then. The first one you talked about was pandemic checks. Uh, in particular, Canada has an app called ArriveCan that, that we use for this, as well as random testing. Can you explain, though, why, why are these pandemic checks leading to delays? So ArriveCan is a great example um, of uh, something just that isn't ready for prime time. Uh, the government uh, conceived of this new app really to try to save time uh, for travelers so that they could pre-send, um, that they could send their um, vaccination status and other quarantine information before they even got to Canada. So the concept behind it was actually a good one. It was a time saver. It was billed as a time saver. The difficulty with summer travel in Canada is this uh, type of app uh, requires some degree of technical sophistication. Um, and it's also only available in English, French, and Spanish. Uh, as any listener in uh, Canada knows, those three languages barely cover um, the number of uh, visiting friends and family that Canadians would expect in the summer. It writes off huge swaths of the world in terms of just language ability. Uh, so this app, in my mind, is And just is to really be clear, basically any incoming traveler to Canada needs to use ArriveCan currently? Uh, 100%. You need 100% uh, compliance with this app or you risk fines. And um, the customs union, the customs uh, employees union has said that only about 70% of travelers are completing the app correctly. And uh, customs officers are having to serve as IT help desks just to help these travelers complete the information. Hmm. The, the reason why I suggest let's just drop it, at least for now, is the questions being asked in the app are about vaccination status, where the second dose, they, they consider somebody fully vaccinated to have two doses. The second dose, in many cases, is over a year old. Um, and they really 
as everyone knows from a scientific perspective, there is a diminishing effect effectiveness to the vaccines with time. And so we've now seen several Canadian um, infectious diseases physicians come out and say that this app no longer provides the data that um, helps uh, Canada manage the pandemic. To be fair, though, don't we still need to do some kinds of, of health screening? I mean, COVID is, is not over. Is, is there not still a place for some kind of pandemic screening at airports? You know, if there is a need for pandemic screening at the airports, and that's something which I'd prefer to leave to um, the medical experts, the one thing that seems to be missing is uh, community checks. The only time um, travelers are ever tested are at the airport. Once they leave the airport, it's not like they can walk into any clinic and get um, a COVID test in many provinces. And yet we've asked them to provide quarantine information in the event that they test positive. So there's just has to be a realignment and a meeting of priorities between federal and provincial governments in terms of what types of um, what types of pandemic controls we want to maintain. You can't have a situation where travelers arriving at Toronto are subjected to these um, controls, but the moment they step off the airport property, those controls disappear. Let's go to the second point you had there, Duncan, about about stopping the screening of flight crews. Why do you think that Canada should stop screening flight crews the way that we do? The irony of checking flight crew before they operate a flight is you've got individuals checking for how much mouthwash they're bringing, whether they have any uh, uh, knives or uh, any such weapons. The one thing that forgets, uh, ignores, is the fact that when a pilot enters the flight deck, the one thing sitting beside beside a pilot and a flight deck is a fire axe. So it's some, some of this is theatrics. You've basically got tr- these... Security theater, you're saying? Security theater, where you've basically got pilots and flight attendants who travelers have entrusted their lives with when they operate these flights. And you're still uh, spending very scarce resources, diverting resources from regular passenger screening to screen flight attendants and pilots every single day. How much time do you think that would save? Well, I mean, if you've got two whole um, screening points at, for example, uh, Montreal Airport, one in, in, on, on one side of the airport, the other on the other side of the airport. That's two lines that could automatically be used for, for travelers. And at Montreal Airport, let's say you've got 10 screening points for regular travelers, adding two, two new screening points for regular travelers speeds that up by 20% just by mere, a mere mathematical calculation. So let's get to your third point now, Duncan. What do you think should be done to get people through security lines faster? So, for example, in the case of Nexus members in Canada, this is a program called a Trusted Traveler Program bought by both the Canada Border Service Service Agency and the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agency. These people have been vetted by both agencies uh, through uh, background checking And so they're known travelers or individuals who are part of what's called a trusted traveler program. They speed through um, the U.S. Customs and Canada Customs line much more quickly than regular travelers. In the U.S., they are also sped through the uh, regular security lines, the Transport Security Administration security lines. 
in Canada, they're they're subject to the exact same security checks as your regular travelers, even though they have been pre-vetted. If it takes these travelers much more quickly to get through security checks in Canada, the throughput increases. And so the amount of resources you've got to screen these travelers obviously goes down, where because you're spending fewer resources screening these so-called trusted travelers, you end up with more resources dedicated to regular travelers. It's really something which has been um, recommended by airports and airlines for almost a decade now. Just lastly here, Duncan, some of the things that that you're pointing to as issues at Canadian airports existed long before the pandemic. Yes. So expecting things to be fixed overnight is probably not realistic. But if if you had a crystal ball, like what would you say here? When when are things going to get better at Canadian airports? Well, if I had a crystal ball, I would look to two particular points in time in terms of when things will get better. The first is the cancellations that the airlines themselves have announced, which have already taken effect. That's going to take some time to work through the system. So I think by the end of July, we should start seeing an easing of the pressure um, at very specific peak times of the day. And then the next point in time is really not, unfortunately, until Labor Day, when travel simply uh, dies down in Canada. The one wild card in these predictions, though, is what the federal government does. If the federal government heeds the advice of the airports and the airlines and changes its operations to respond to the concerns that have been raised, we could see changes much more quickly where travelers uh, can get back to some degree of normal. But as you pointed out, many of these problems predate the pandemic. These are issues that have been persisting in the air transportation system in Canada for quite some time. And so, you know, this is a reckoning for Canadians in terms of the air transportation system and the need for changes so that we don't ever get to the point where for days on end, Canadian airlines and airports are topping the charts in terms of delays and cancellations on the planet. Duncan, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thanks, Monica. That's it for today. I'm Manika raman Wilms. Our summer producer is Zara Kozema. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.